Christ that you'll give us ears to hear. Fill him afresh with your spirit, we pray. Anoint him as he speaks. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is, uh, it really is good to be here this morning and to uh, be able to share God's word with you. Um, some of you won't know my story, but uh, I was just reflecting earlier on today that uh, um, I was just thinking of the first time that Val and I walked into the church here about just over three years ago. Um, and it was a really difficult and painful time uh, in, in our lives. Um, just a, a few weeks before that, I had uh, received the, the devastating news, and some of you will know what that feels like, of being um, diagnosed with uh, early-onset dementia. Um, I had, uh, I was, uh, I'm, I'm an ordained Anglican, so uh, I've been a, a vicar in various places for 30-odd years, and I'd been told that I needed to retire, and there was a real sense for me at that time, it, it was all over for me. My, my, um, my confidence, if you like, was uh, uh, at an all-time low, and I was just really just seeking God. What, what, what are you doing? What is this about? And we came to be part of this fellowship. And uh, God has done incredible things uh, in my life, um, but partly because of you. Because some of you, I know a lot of you, have prayed for us through that journey. And uh, in some senses, I stand here this morning because of you, because of your prayers, because what God has done uh, through you. So I just want to take the opportunity just to say uh, thank you uh, for that. Um, just to share that uh, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I had to go for my uh, annual dementia review, go along to the GP. And normally she would sit me down and ask me a number of questions to test whether I was I knew what, who I was and what I was doing. Um, but after, I, just, I went in and I sat down and we talked for a few minutes and she said, do you know, I'm not even going to bother with the tests. There's no point, is there? And then she said to me, do you feel a fraud? And I, <laughs> and I said, no, I, I feel blessed because of what God has done uh, for me. So uh, I, I come with that, uh, with that witness to what God can do. Uh, and I praise him for it. And I, and I thank you uh, for your love and prayers over, over this time. So we're going to turn to uh, God's Word, and we are continuing our, uh, our working our way through the hard sayings of Jesus. And uh, if you want to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 5, we're just going to read uh, just a few verses um, from, uh, chap- from chapter 5, from, from verse 43. Words on the screen, the words of Jesus. Jesus says, you've heard it was that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What will you get? Are you not even, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father, we pray that you would just bless this word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we had in this series of uh, love your uh, of hard sayings, and uh, when Phil, when I emailed Phil and said, "What's the hard saying for this week?" and he emailed back and said, "You can do love your enemies." <laughs> I took a deep breath. I think probably in terms of the hard sayings, this would be one of the ones right up there with the hardest of the sayings: "Love your enemies." I was reminded of a, a time uh, uh, many years ago when I was. Uh, I was involved with Youth for Christ, and uh, I was invited to speak at a, a Youth for Christ meeting, and, uh, and I spoke to the um, organizer a, a couple of weeks before, and they said, we've been doing a series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, we'd like you to speak on honor your father and mother. So 300 teenagers, honor your father and mother. And I remember the night well, because uh, in Chingford in northeast London, gathering together, and I remember it well because it was utter chaos. It was not an evening that I came away from feeling, oh, I really felt, I really, you know, God really blessed us in that. Uh, But then 10 years later, Val and I were in the bookshop or the book uh, stall at Spring Harvest, and this, uh, dare I say, very attractive young lady came up to me, and... uh, recognized me and said, oh, David. Now, that doesn't happen very often. Um, and it turns out that she was at that meeting with her friends in Chinkford 10 years previously, and that night she and her, two of her friends came to the Lord. And she was, now, she was then in full-time ministry. I remember it as complete chaos. Thank God. Um, so maybe this morning <laughs> I might remember this as complete chaos, but God will do his thing. For many of us, if not all of us, hearing love your enemies, we react saying that's, that is too hard. We perhaps would sit there thinking of our enemies. There's a, a story of someone who was preaching on this subject uh, and decided to do a quick survey of the congregation. And he said, hands up, all of you who have enemies, and every hand went up but one. And, uh, and he said, hands up those of you who have no enemies. And this uh, older man at the back put his hand up. And he said, well done. How is it that you've not got a single enemy? And he said with some enjoyment, because I've outlived them all. love your enemies. This saying, of course, comes right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. It's that block of teaching at the beginning of Matthew's uh, gospel, uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it's, you know, we know the Sermon on the Mount, it's powerful stuff, isn't it? It really is. Um, we, we, we know the Beatitudes and all that, and it ends with that, that wonderful parable that we all used to sing about in Sunday school about the houses built on the rock and the sand. And it's a powerful set of teaching. And we're told that at the end of it, the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. And historically, the Sermon on the Mount has, had, has been hugely influential. And it's been praised by all and sundry. Some of them 
who are not Christians, although sometimes I wonder if they've ever actually read it. They say the Sermon on the Mount is such an important uh, uh, thing, important uh, lessons that we learn. But it is, if you read it, it's a devastating critique of the principles and values of the world and says, we want to turn them upside down. The kingdom of God is about turning the world upside down, about saying, you said this, but we say this. Doing things differently. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is about turning things upside down. It's about those who who want to follow Jesus to say, you are called to be kingdom people who are, to use one of the buzz phrases of our of our day, you are called to be counter-cultural. To do it differently. And perhaps when we think of love your enemies, there's, there's never been a, a more apt time, is there, in our, in our country, in our culture, to be counter-cultural. That's becoming increasingly angry, angry and splintered. In our so-called tolerant society, we are tolerant of everybody, except if they disagree with us. And then we abuse them through the, through the media. Our enemies are those who disagree with us. And we see that, don't we? We see that in our political culture. We see that in all kinds of ways. And so I think when we, when we hear this, when Jesus says, Love your enemies. I think there's something here that we have something, we have something to say about, don't we, as Christians? Because Jesus challenges us and says, no, we, we need to be different. We need to challenge that culture and say, no, it's not like that. It shouldn't be like that. But it's quite hard, isn't it? Love your enemies. We just thought for a moment, who, who is my enemy? Can I love them? A lorry driver was uh, sitting in a crowded cafe eating his favourite meal. He had his sausages and mash and gravy. And just as he was about to start to eat, a motorcycle gang burst through the doors. Some of them sat at the table next to him and others who, because there wasn't enough room for them, Others turned around to the, the man sitting talking, uh, the man sitting eating, and said to him, um, "Move, we w- we want your table." And, and uh, the driver said, "But I haven't finished my meal yet." And so one of these motorcycle gang picked up his coffee, poured it into his into his plate, and said, "Yes, you have." And the lorry driver got up, quietly went to the till, paid for his meal, and went out. And one of the motorcycle gang turned to the waitress and said, he ain't much of a man, is he? And the waitress said, well, he ain't much of a lorry driver either. He's just driven over your cycles. (laughs) Now, I defy you to not have just even inwardly gone, yes. Because that is a very human reaction. But Jesus says... Love your enemies. He starts by uh, quoting a a common saying of the day, which was a strange combination in verse 43 of, of Scripture and prevailing custom. He says, You have heard it said, 
love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, the first part we know is from Scripture. It comes from Leviticus, and it's sort of constantly quoted throughout Scripture. Love your neighbor. It's one of the things that Jesus says. Now, what are the most important commandments? One is to love the Lord your God, and the other is to love your neighbor as yourself. So everybody knew that part of the the quote. But the second half of the phrase, and hate your enemy, you won't find in the Bible. It's not there. I actually uh, got my concordance out the other day just to check that it was right. But it ain't there. The nearest you get is uh, Psalm 139, where uh, the psalmist says, Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have heard nothing but hatred from them. I count them as my enemies. But if we look at that, David is not saying, he's not uh, declaring enemies. He's just simply saying, using the customary sort of time of the thing of the day, of saying, your friend is my friend. And your enemy is my enemy to God. He's not, the thrust of what he's saying is not about hating enemies, but that for him, God comes first. But as often happened in, uh, in Scripture, and in, uh, as, as time goes on, as the teachers and scribes have interpreted and reinterpreted these, uh, these words, by the time it got to the time of Jesus, things had been added to it to make it more comfortable, to make it more, comfort- more convenient. Love those who love you and, or, and hate those who hate you. Or love people who are just like you and feel free to hate people who are different from you. By the time of Jesus, they had confused divine principles with earthly custom. It was an attitude that prompted Jesus later to, uh, to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan, which was about, you know, who is my neighbor? Who is my enemy? And it turns out that your neighbor is the people you think of as your enemy. And Jesus is saying to us, look, God's intent for you is that you love everybody, including your enemies. But that love isn't... Now, the, the word that Jesus used here is, is the word agape love. It's not, you know, we are to be best mates with our enemies, not that we are to be like brothers with our enemies. We are not necessarily to treat our enemies like we treat our children. We are to have God's love, agape love, for our enemies. And how are we to do that? Well, the first thing we need to do, Jesus says, is pray for them. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those. And there's one sense in which I think, no, I can stand here and I can say that. But uh, we, Phil and I were just talking before the service. The stories that we, you would have heard yesterday at the Standing Strong, the stories that we hear through open doors. Imagine asking one of them to pray for those who persecute them. Well, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus challenges us with. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. To love your enemy, you must first start by praying for them. 
But dare I say that when we start praying for them, we need to pray for them honestly. Sometimes the journey we take as Christians in these kind of situations is, Jesus says I must love my enemies. But then someone does something to us that hurts us and the result makes us really angry and we want to make them our enemy. But we think, but I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. Therefore, I have to pretend that I'm not angry. I have to squash that down and pretend that I'm not angry and that, in fact, I'm all sweetness and light. Because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to be angry. I have to love my enemy. Jesus isn't saying that. Jesus says, doesn't say pretend to love your enemy. Pretend to pray for your enemy. Because anger sometimes is a a useful emotion. Jesus got angry. And it's wrong to deny it and suppress it. We know that by suppressing unresolved resentment and bitterness, it can be extraordinarily dangerous for our mental health and our spiritual health, can't it? Jesus is not saying, pretend you're not angry. He's saying, bring that anger to me. Bring that hurt to me. Bring that pain to me and let me transform it. Let me change it. So if you're angry with somebody, if you have that hatred, that bitterness in your heart for somebody, take that to God. Don't pretend it's not there. Take it to God. Start that prayer from a place of honesty. But be open to God. Be open to God healing and changing your heart. See, it's about being real before God. And maybe real before each other. Maybe we need sometimes to express that, confess how we're feeling about stuff, to get it out with one another. We've been doing a bit of work on that, haven't we? You know, it's all right to say, I'm struggling. It's allowed. But we need to get away from the, you know, what, what someone used to call the Sunday morning lying that we turn up to church, doesn't mean we stay in bed. It means we turn up to church and somebody says, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. When you know you're not. And God just aches to hear from you. He just aches for you to be honest and real. So that he can do something. Love our enemies. We can only do it because we bring stuff to God and God can change it by his Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that sometimes as we pray, we might perhaps pray for an opportunity for an act of kindness. In Exodus 23, we're told, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. Or Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Maybe you pray that that opportunity of an act of kindness might sort of just break down the issue. An opportunity to reflect something of the love of God, the love of Jesus. 
when we put ourselves in that place, that's where Jesus changes the game. Because he's talking, say, not about the human love that we might have, not an emotional or sentimental one, but the one that God gives us, that agape love. Jesus gives a couple of uh, illustrations from creation to point out how God loves everybody. He talks about how the sun shines and the rain pours on the good and the bad alike, the, the righteous and the unrighteous alike. It's another of those verses, isn't it, that gets misquoted. People often say, well, the sun shines on the righteous. It's not what the Bible says. It shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. Theologians call this common grace, the fact that God loves everybody. Every person you meet, God has a love for them. And God wants to give us that love. And Jesus says, if you only love those who love you, you're no better than a publican or a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated amongst the, the Jewish society of the day. Really interesting to think, who is it recording this? Matthew. What was Matthew? A tax collector. Jesus had transformed that man's life. And Matthew has no problem about writing it down what Jesus says, even though he must have been at the time perhaps cringing in the corner. He's talking about me. The Sermon on Mount tells us that Christianity is a radical faith. And Jesus calls us, through the power of his spirit, through the power of God, to do the impossible, to love the difficult, to love without limits. Jesus says he wants us to pray for and greet our enemies. The old King James Version says, to bless those who curse you and to do good to those who hate you. That's the challenge. We need to be, ultimately, we're told, perfect. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I'm not perfect. Father, tell you that. (laughs) But God wants me to be transformed. He wants us to be transformed as we are challenged by his word. As we are challenged to love our enemies, God wants to transform us by his spirit. Some of us uh, have read the books of uh, Corrie ten Boom. I remember reading the books when I was uh, a teenager. Um, she'd lost her whole family uh, in the time of war through the concentration, Nazi concentration camps. She, she was a, a Christian and her family hid Jews in their attic uh, until they were reported by a neighbour. But she tells the story about how one day after, not too long after the end of the war, she came out of a morning service and she spotted one of the the Nazi uh, camp guards and he was coming towards her. And she says that her veins froze with hatred as he came up to her. And he said, ah, it's so good to see you. You're a Christian like me. That means you have to forgive me. 
and he extended her hand, his hand to her. And she says that uh, there was just time for a quick help me God prayer. But as she prayed, she felt this supernatural force sweep through her body and gently lift her arm and her hand to meet his. She said she couldn't explain it any other way than to say that the heavenly love of God had flowed through her to this former captor. She said this was God, God's love at work. Ultimately, example, and as he hung on the cross, we recall those words, Father, forgive them. We are to be people who love those who are enemies. Those pray for those who persecute us. Do we have enemies? Are we challenged by this word? See, we do these uh, these sayings. We've been reflecting on these hard sayings. It's not just so that we can beat ourselves up and challenge ourselves with things that are really difficult. It's to open the possibility that God would move in our hearts. Because it's God's desire that the blind see, the lame walk, that prisoners are set free. That's God's desire for his people. And as we're challenged by words such as this, we're challenged so that we might open ourselves to God. Say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. Maybe there's somebody here who's been carrying a hatred in their heart for somebody who they declared to be their enemy. Maybe today's the day when you say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. Lord, take this from me. I want to let go of it. Maybe there's something else that you're just prompted. Say, Lord, I've held this for a long, long time. Maybe today's the day to let go of it. Today's the day to lay it down. We're going to move into a time of, of worship. If only we knew where the band was. Yes. <laughs> just an opportunity to perhaps to respond to, to this or maybe something else that God is just, just prodding you and saying, I want to sort that out today. I want to, I want to set you free from that today. I want to heal that for you today. I want to change that for you today. I want to take that from you today. As we, as we worship, let's just open our hearts to God. And if you want to perhaps just pray with maybe the person next to you, just give them an elbow and say, pray with me about this, or the person in front of you. Or I'll be around later. Let's just ask God to just fill us with his love to, to break down those barriers, to change our hearts, to help us to surrender to him, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us.